Welcome to the Momentum Podcast. Our hope is to fill you with the light and life that are found in Jesus so you can shine in the world around you. A great next step if you'd like to grow in your faith is connecting to a community. We would love to help you connect at Momentum. For more information, visit MomentumSanDiego.com. Again, that's MomentumSanDiego.com. We hope you enjoy the message. Welcome to the Momentum Podcast for all the thousands and thousands and thousands of you out there that are faithful listeners each and every week. We want to say thank you. Uh, Once again, we are doing one of our bonus episodes. Why do we do these bonus episodes? Because you can't talk about everything on a Sunday. And so we want to make sure that all the stuff that we cover on a Sunday morning for the people that have questions about it, for the people that are like, hey, could you explain that a little bit better? We take these little bonus episodes and we're like, okay, let's dive in a little bit deeper. Let's figure out a little bit more about what this looks like in real life. Mm-hmm. I am joined today, as always, with the most amazing co-host a person could ask for, Miss Hannah Macias. Hello. Welcome. All right. And so before we dive into all of the material that... We've got to cover today, talking about refining, awareness, all that kind of good stuff. You tell me that you've got some questions yep. for me. Is that right? That is right, Okay, sir. go for it. Okay, so if you don't know Jeremy, this is one of the things he's very passionate about. Two of the things, okay? One, basketball. The true. second thing this is, is true. movies. This is also true. You're like the movie master. So I have whipped up some questions. I got them off of Google. To ask you about basketball and movies. Okay, now just so that everyone knows, yeah, I have not seen these. You yet. have not seen these. Okay, you have no idea what's going on. I have no Neither idea what the questions I. are. All right, and you're gonna now, and you're gonna actually test. So this could go. Yes. This could go horrifically bad. Oh, for absolutely. Me. Okay, and 100%. I could go like oh for whatever. For sure. Okay. There's no. There's no. Okay. Yeah. There's no telling until we get started. Okay, so I'm gonna start with basketball trivia. Okay. okay. And so with basketball trivia, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you the question, and then I'm gonna give you four responses that you can pick from. Oh, perfect. Okay. okay. With movie trivia, it's just a hit or miss. Okay. It's just okay. Either you know it or you don't. Okay. So question number one, basketball trivia. What team won the very first NBA game? Was it the Chicago Stags? Philadelphia Warriors, Toronto Huskies, or the New York Knicks? I want to say Philadelphia Warriors, but I don't know. Okay, we're going to click it and see. Oh! oh! Okay, what is the correct answer? Um, let's see which one we're going to keep clicking. Wasn't Toronto Huskies? It was the New York Knicks! And that was the last time they were great, too. So, okay. <laughs> so the New York Knicks uh. defeated the Toronto Huskies 68-66 to in the very first NBA game on November 1st, 1946. Okay. I did there not know that. Now I you did know. not know All that. All right. Ready? Ready. Okay, this one I'm going to see. I'm really curious if you know. Okay. What NBA player scored 100 points on March 2nd, 1962? Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain. There he yeah. goes. Yeah. Ah, you got it right! Yeah, yeah, yeah. On March 2nd, 1990, or 1962, Wilt Chamberlain of Philadelphia Warriors scored 100 yeah. points. The most ever by an NBA player in a single game. That's Absolutely. pretty interesting. Okay, number three. Who was the first player in NBA history to be elected league MVP by a unanimous vote? Michael Jordan. Okay. Stephen Curry. LeBron James. Magic Johnson. By a unanimous vote. Unanimous vote. I want to say Steph Curry. I think he was the first one ever because there's always somebody who, like, one right. person who would vote for some random person, even though we everyone knew who, like, the best player was. But I want to say Steph Curry was the first unanimous. You, first one. Okay, here yeah. we go. You are right! Uh, yeah. In 2016, after yeah. a record-breaking season. That's awesome. Okay. Question number four. Ooh, this one's hard. I don't know if it's hard. I actually don't know any of the answers to any of these. But okay. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. What, what new kind of shot did Joel 
Joe, sorry, Joe Fulks score a, a record 63 points within one game in 1949. The jump shot, the free throw, the hook shot, or the three-point shot? The jump shot. The jump shot? Here we yeah. go. Oh my yeah. gosh, you got it right! Yeah. On February 10th, 1949, Jumping Joe, folks, introduced the jump shot, scoring a then-NPA record 63 points against the Indianapolis Jets. This Absolutely. is really fascinating. Absolutely. I'm actually having a lot of fun here. We might just do basketball. This is way more fun. Okay. Who's last last one for now? Okay. okay. Who scored the first three point basket in NBA history? Oh. You gotta know this one. Ready? Larry Bird. Okay. Wes Unseld. Okay. Gene Stump or Chris Ford? Gene Stump. Gene Stump, here we go. Wrong. Oh. Make a second guess. Wes Unseld? Oh yeah, one more guess. Larry Bird or Chris? Chris. You got it right! Okay. On October 12th, 1979, Chris Ford of the Boston Celtics okay. scored the first three-point basket in NBA history. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Okay, so you got one, two, three, four. You know, you got one, two, three. You got three out of five, right? Oh, that feels That's awful. pretty good. That's that actually not awful. that... No, that's really so, not that bad. That's really okay. not that bad. Maybe I'll do better on movies. Maybe movie, I'll do better okay, on movies. Okay, movie trivia. This one, this, these okay. ones are hard. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. But I think you got this. Okay. The first question is this. Oh, okay. The first movie given the title Blockbuster, which was which movie? There's no options here. You just know it or you don't. Was it Jaws? It was Jaws! Okay. Yes! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's great. You're great at this. Okay. Which screenwriter has received the most Oscar nominations? Oh my gosh. You know I, this one. I know I you know do. I know this guy's name. Um, I know you do. Oh, but it's... it's, it's, it's uh... <sighs> Take a guess. Take a guess. No, I can't remember his name. I know who he is. I just can't remember his name. I'll give you uh, a, a hint. Okay, give me a hint. It's there was a a animation film with a type of bird. <laughs> what? Was... What? <laughs> Hold on. Let me back up. Oh, okay. There was a cartoon that had a bird in it. Okay. <laughs> okay, wait. An old animation film with a bird that was named that has the same name as this person. That's a pretty oh. big hint. Because if you know what this is, then you'll know. Um. Blank. You remember the, the the cartoon with the little bird and he like pecked at the little you'd peck at the wood and it was Woody Woodpecker. Okay, so what's the guy's name? But I can't remember. His, oh, I still can't remember. Woody his name. Allen. It's Woody Allen. Wait, wait. Woody Allen has the most. He the first the which screenwriter writer has received the most Oscar nominations? Woody Allen. Oh, that's not who I was thinking of. Okay, I was thinking of somebody else uh, who wrote okay, uh, like well. uh, William Gold something like that. Uh, but okay. Anyway, all right. Anyways, next. You one. got one. So all far. right. All right. Okay. This one. This one's. I'm curious if you'll know this yeah. one. Charlie Chaplin uh-huh. insured which part of his body? Was it his mustache? No, it was his feet. <laughs> that actually makes sense. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Okay, have I never asked you so far? Three? Okay, so yeah. you're one for three right now. Yeah. All right. Um, ooh. Oh, that, this one's hard. Do you want a hard one or you want an easy one? I don't care. Whatever. I'm, I'm not doing well <laughs> anyway, so. In 1933, what was the first film to have a sequel? I'll give you a, I'll give you a hint. Okay. It has to do with the gorilla, I think. Yeah, a gorilla. The first film oh, to have had a sequel. A, had, a, had, a, had a gorilla. <laughs> had a gorilla. <laughs> it's not Planet of the Apes. Uh, is it, um... <laughs> oh my gosh. Was it King Kong? Yes! You got it! Yeah, you got it. Really? Yeah, you got it. Okay. So you're two for four right now, I think? Okay, one more, one more. Um, I'm trying to think of an easy one here. Uh, yeah, I gotta go three for we five. We gotta so go. Like 50%, yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, this one. Wait, do you know who Jack Palance is? Uh-huh. Okay, so here we go. For what movie did Jack Palance win the best supporting actor? City Slickers. You got it! Yeah, yeah. Yes! Yeah. Well, I'm really proud of you, Jeremy. You and did he did. It good. was crazy because he did a one-handed push-up on stage when he took uh, when he won his uh, award. Wow. And he was like, uh, he was probably like 70 years old when he did it or something what? like that. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. That's why I was like, it was, it was like it was, oh, look, look what you, I can still do. I'm glad do. I picked that one for you. You got it right. Yeah. Okay, so I think you got three. Three out of five? And okay. you got three out of five on the basketball. So, so I'm good. above average. You're above I'm above average. <laughs> Not good, but above average. Woo! Okay. Good job. Proud All right. So Hannah, let's let's dive into let's talk about some stuff where with refining sure, and all that. Sure. So this past Sunday, I talked about just three different types of refining okay. that people go through. Okay. And then I talked about okay, this is what it looks like in real life. Uh, I shared stories from my life, etc. Obviously, I don't need to share more stories from my life. <laughs> let's talk about you though in this case okay because normally you ask the questions and i come up with answers let's reverse right. it this time all right let's do it so i uh i talked about three different types of refining that god seems to take every single person through at some point in time in their life and honestly it takes us through them probably multiple times right one of them that i talked about was just the pain of healing yeah where god will take something that's in your past that's been broken for whatever mm-hmm. reason and he leads you through a season of healing so that it no longer has control over you or your destiny. That's good. Um, what does that look like in your life? Jeez, that's really good. So I think for pain of healing specifically, this is something that I think the Lord has been highlighting in my life as of recent, like within the past couple of months. Um, and it's it's kind of crazy because I've always heard of people like, Okay, let me, let me back up a little bit. I think in our kind of culture and society right now, like the big talk is mental health, like more than anything yeah, else. It's absolutely. Like, it's a, which is absolutely. great. And I think a lot of it has to do with like people talking about like dealing with their trauma and like, you know, cutting off toxic relationships and figuring out like, okay, what does it look like to lead, like lead a healthy kind of life? And so I never really thought that those kinds of things like really applied to me. I've, I've dealt with mental health issues before and have struggled with like depression and things like that and anxiety in the past, but I didn't think like it was just the past is the past kind of thing i didn't think it was still kind of carrying over into like my 20s so i think looking back i realized and something you said was like you have to go back so you can go forward yeah and i think for me i'm realizing that very heavily now where it's like oh jesus sets you free and gives you a whole new life to live but you really have to make the intentional choice to live out the freedom you've been given and a part of that living out the freedom you've been given is going back and seeing the things that you've been holding on to or been struggling with that you've never actually let go of. Uh, and, and healing past traumas, healing past hurts that you didn't even realize were like affecting you in the future. So I think for me, a lot of it has just been looking at, like kind of taking a bird's eye view, if that makes sense, of my yeah. life and looking at different areas, different relational areas, ministry areas, um, things that I've thought have just been kind of like, okay, these are good, like I'm doing okay, I'm doing what God's telling me to do and God's like, yeah, you are. But there's more for you. But you can't go to the more if you don't figure out why it is you've been like kind of struggling with these certain tensions over and over again. And I think it's it's kind of weird. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but it's 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 kind of like when you like hit a plateau. Like okay, if you ever like try to lose weight and then you like keep like running, exercising, yeah. oh, doing yeah. all these great things, yeah. and then you get to this point where it's like, dude, I'm not losing any more weight. I'm doing all of the right things. 
I'm putting in the effort, I'm putting in the hard work, but my like scale number is not changing. And then you realize like, oh, I'm gonna have to do something even like greater. I'm gonna have to step into something even more in order to get you know to the place that I want to be. Yeah. And so I think the pain of healing in my life looks like, okay, yeah, you've been doing great. Like you've been putting in the effort, you've been putting in the work, but there's something more for you. But in order to get that more, you're gonna have to take a deeper step. And part of that deeper step is taking a trip, taking a trip with the Lord and like going into your past and being like, hey, these things were never dealt with and you need to deal with them now. Okay, let me ask you this then. Sure. So in the pain of healing, and I only touched on it briefly. I, really, I wish I would have spent more time on it, or honestly, I, yeah. I didn't really have time to. But like, I, I did mention that oftentimes that God will bring other people into your life to help yes. process this. Yes. Like this is rarely something that's done on your that's own. That's so good. So for you, and shares at deep, as deep at or yeah. as shallow as yeah, you yeah, want, yeah. you know, who are some of the people, or, or or what were some of the circumstances where God brought someone around you? to help you process and heal from something in your past? Like, what did that look yeah. like for you? I think it's so interesting because honestly, Jeremy, like I knew that there were things I needed to deal with, but it wasn't until I talked to someone about it that I was like, oh shoot, okay. I actually do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you'll get an inkling or, or a feeling or a faint vision like, oh, you know what? Like I, I, there is something I need to deal with here. Something's going on. This is more than just like a, a surface level issue. There's something that needs to be healed. But it's not until I started talking to mentors in my life and leaders in my life and friends who know me and have journeyed with me where they're like, yeah, I've, I've noticed that that's something that you need to deal with. Like I've noticed that that's a problem area. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's good. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad someone realizes it, you know? And so I think for me, like I wouldn't even have been able to step into the pain of healing had it not been for those friends who had been walking with me to point it out and be like, yeah, you do need to deal with that. That is something God wants to heal. What's an area of your life that's currently different because something's been healed from your past? Like what's something yeah, you like, you're like now I do blank or now I can do blank. Whereas yeah. before this used to hold me back. I would say the biggest one I'm, and I'm still working on it, but I would yeah. say I've come a long way is the way that I handle my like relationships as far as like setting boundaries and being okay. clear about what I need and like what's okay and what's not okay. I think growing up, I had a hard time with that because it's like that Christian kid syndrome, good girl, bad girl, like syndrome where it's like, you know, a good girl, a good boy, what they're going to do is always do the right thing and always yeah. say yes and always be like, Okay, other, you yeah, know what I mean? Like yeah. people pleasing. And then like yeah. you're doing, you know, that's the Christ-like thing to do is to lay down your life and sacrifice. But no one ever teaches you growing up like um, you can't say yes all of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't absolutely. lay down your life at the altar and not take care of yourself. There has to be this balance of saying yes, but also saying no. And so I think I've come a long way in being able to realize when a yes is a yes and when it's very clear that this is not something I need to be doing, I need to set a boundary here and I need to let someone else know, hey, I'm not okay with that. This is what I actually need from you or this is what, okay. I, what I can do for you. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, let, let, let's go on the second one. Sure. Then. So I said uh, there's the pain of healing. I said there's the pain of tearing down the false self. And I talked about that being um, – I, I used a, a quote from Pete Scazzaro uh, in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality where he just talked about the false self is just – whether you you do it consciously or subconsciously, it's pretending to be somebody you're not. Yeah. And I talked a little bit about just how we'll build our lives on this image that we want the rest of the world to believe about us. Jeez. I said this is so easy to see today because you, we all know the people that are like, this is their life on Instagram, but this is what they are really yeah. like. This is their life uh, on Facebook, but this is what they're really like. And I said, you know, we often slip into this unintentionally because we have like, we want people to think well of us yeah but then we start making choice small choice after small choice after small choice where we start to create a persona that's just simply not real Jeez, yeah. and then 
the, and I, one of the things I told everybody is like, hey, the reward for being fake is that you have to keep being fake. Oh, wow. And so eventually, if God wants to really get a hold of us, he has to tear this That's this good. mask off. Absolutely. He has to tear down this false self that we've created. Right. But because we're so closely attached to it, yeah. when God pulls it away, it's pain. It's like, you know, it's like Velcro. It's oh, ripping it, you up. Yeah. It really hurts. Absolutely. And so I talked a little bit. I shared a little bit of a story in my life where, like, there was a season where I was extremely prideful. I'd built my life on, like, hey, this I'm better than these people, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And when God just knocked it all out from underneath me, it was humiliating. Mm. But it was one of the best things that could have happened to me. Yeah. All right, I don't want to talk about more humiliating stuff in my life. <laughs> let's Hannah, talk about- <laughs> let's talk about it. So that whole pain of tearing down the false That's self or, or God removing the yeah. idols that you've built your life around. Sheesh. What is that like for you? What? Tell me about that. Show me, show me, share some stories. I think that's great. I, I'm going to kind of point, and I always do this in real life conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to point to the Enneagram for a second because I'm a four. And so if you know anything about Enneagram fours, our whole like, Thing in life is to find our identity and to be authentic to be like okay. true to ourselves be unique stand out and like like everyone has to know who we are like that's a big deal to okay. like be Absolutely. significant Absolutely. and feel known and be understood and so i think for me like when i think about this like tearing the false self i think for for my life personally what this has looked like is even has been to allow people to actually see who i really am and so i think like what i struggle with a lot is kind of what you're saying like you put out this image because you want it's kind of safe yeah if you put out the image and you create this persona that you want people to say to see it's safe because they're not actually seeing like any of your flaws or any of the things you're actually dealing with um and it 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 prevents you from having to be too vulnerable and being too like and for me i think the biggest fear and vulnerability is not being understood it's showing who i really am and being my truest self and people rejecting that and not accepting that that terrifies me so i think the way that the lord has been working in that in my life and tearing that false image is giving me the the comfort in knowing that i am accepted by god i am loved fully by god and really when you believe that then you're allowed to step out and be misunderstood and not always be accepted by other people and that being okay and so i think like the lord has been kind of building my confidence in how he sees me and how I see myself. Because if I'm confident in that, then regardless of what people are going to say about me, what they're going to do or not do, it really doesn't affect me as deeply as it should. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I have this, like this faith, like this, this guarded faith, not like a, like a wall, but more of just like the shelter around my heart where it's like, Oh no, I know it's true. And I know it's not true about me. And so I, I can be my truest self because I know who I am and I'm confident in that. So let me ask you this. Yeah. One of the things that seems to happen a lot when God takes us through a refining like this yeah, is that he puts us in a place where all the things that we were depending upon get taken away from us. Mm-hmm. So like, hey, I depend upon people thinking about me in this way, in this way it get yeah. removed. Yeah. Or I, I need this to get through the day and then God takes it away yeah. from us. And so like we end up, our dependency on God ends up growing because everything else is removed. And it's like, that's I, 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 I got to depend on God because he's the only thing left. Sheesh, yeah, so, that's good. What does that look like in your life? Because you said, you know, you, you've, you've grown in confidence in who God has created you to be. Right. You've grown in confidence in who God is is uh, like, like your relationship with him and what he's trying to do through you in right. your life. How, or yeah, just describe a time like, okay, what did that look like for you when God started to remove other things that you'd been depending on? Yeah. I think the biggest thing God has been removing and like, and we're talking about false self is the false idea of these like 
idolized idolized relationships that I have in my life. These people that I've kind of put up in my life as pillars that maybe are like good people and I'm not saying yeah. they're bad, but it's like, okay, you use them as a source of like life and encouragement and energy. And the Lord is like, okay, like, yeah, I want that person to be in your life to help you and support you. But once your identity becomes wrapped up in whether that person loves you or not, or if that person accepts you or not, and it becomes where it's like now self-deprecating because it's like, oh, this person doesn't see me the way I want to be seen. This person doesn't love me the way I want to be loved. Now I feel less than, now I feel like I'm not enough. Now I feel like I'm not capable, whatever it is. I think the Lord has been really showing me and highlighting me in this area of like relationships where it's like, okay, these people are here to love you and be in your life. But the moment your self-worth becomes attached to what they think of you or how they yeah. see you, that's when you're like stepping into like so, dangerous so yeah, we, we talked about this a little bit on Sunday too. Yeah. yeah. So like we said that when God tears down an idol and I, I used, uh, I, I don't know, I think it's Tim Keller. I don't know who originally came up with it, but the definition of an idol is where you take something good and make it ultimate. Yes. And so you're saying yes. like, like, Hey, it's good to have mentors. Absolutely. It's bad to have idols. Yes. Like people that you've said, you've, you've taken them from the role of mentor and you've put them in the place of my existence is dependent on upon what they think. Or okay. What they absolutely. Say. Yeah. That's a perfect example. Yeah, for sure. Anything else with this idea of tearing down the false self that you're like, right. I remember walking through this or I remember having to go into this. Yeah. I think the, the biggest thing in that is you have to really, and I, I'm sure, I think you've even mentioned this like in your sermon at one point, but you have to really understand that the reward of what you lose, the, the cost of what you lose is not as great as the reward of what you're going to receive. Okay. And so it's like when you tear down the false self, there is a lot of pain involved in that. And like you talked about it yeah. being like Velcro. Yeah. And it really does feel like someone's like kind of skinning your soul alive because yeah. it's like you're eliminating all of the stuff that you've been like sucking life out of. And God's like, no, not anymore. I'm taking this out because I need it to be like, I need this to be pure. I need this to be good. Yeah. You know? And so I think like the biggest thing with that is it is going to hurt. And so I guess the reminder for us is, okay, yes, this hurts, but what you're losing now is not nearly as great as what you're going to receive later on. And the authenticity that comes with losing the false self is so much greater than any comfort or false, like, you know, satisfaction that you found while not being true to All yourself. All right, let me, let me play uh, devil's advocate sure. here for a second. Yeah. Okay. You're tell so you're, I, on the surface level, I can understand what you're saying. Yeah. What you gain is better than what you what lose. What you lose, Yeah. What do you actually gain, though? What's so great about being authentic as opposed to being fake? Gosh, that's good. I think the biggest one, Jeremy, is is relational. Because you talked about this a lot in your message where you're saying, like, the ultimate goal of all of this, all of these three pains, is that we become better lovers of people. Yeah. Like, we learn how to have relationships with people. And so I think the authenticity that comes from being your true self and the reward of that is having real relationships with people. Because if you have a false self that you're putting out in front of people all the time, which I've done most of my life, because again, it's safe, it protects me, it, it avoids harm, it avoids people rejecting me, then I'm never gonna know what it's like to be fully known from someone and actually be really loved too. Because you can be known by someone and then be like, I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. And that's scary, that's what why we put up the false self. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, if they actually get to know me and they don't like me, I'm, I'm, I'm terrified that's so scary but what if you actually put yourself out there people get to know who you really are and people actually really love you that is like the reward of that there's nothing comparable to that i don't think there's anything greater than knowing that there are people out there who are cheering you on for you because they know who you are and they love you regardless yeah like that makes that, that makes so much sense i can't remember who said this or where i stole this from but someone i was listening to somebody once i'm talking they said um the problem is, is that we put out like a fake self mm -hmm. And then everyone gets to know the fake self, 
And so even though we're surrounded by people, we still feel completely lonely because yes. no one knows us. Us, yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And like we, we, all, we all know like just the, the crazy levels of loneliness, in a, which makes no sense in a world that's so super connected. So connected. But yeah. no one actually knows you. They know what you've given. What you put out yeah, there. the rest of the world. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. good stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah. All right, let me ask you this. I also, so I said there was the pain of healing, yes. the pain of God tearing down the false self. And I said, and then there's just simply the pain of maturing. Yeah. Like spiritually growing up. Mm. Like there's physical pain in maturing physically, going from, you know, baby, infant, toddler, young, you know, child, right. young adult. Stuff. But there's also pain of spiritually maturing where you just realize, okay, most of my life I've been selfish. Mm-hmm. And as God matures you and you start to care for more than just yourself, there's pain in that. Yeah. Why? What does that look like? How does that work in your life? Like, yeah. Where have you seen where when you started being less selfish, it was painful? What does that look like in your life? <laughs> the better question is, when is it not? Okay. <laughs> like, when it's okay. always painful to think about um, things other than yourself. Because again, back to the protection thing, like, it's so much safer in our minds and comfortable to our flesh to be self-focused. Like, that's yeah. safe. Because it's like, I know myself. I love myself. I'm comfortable with myself to an extent. And so it's like... You want to be inward focused because once you start being outward focused and you start maturing and believing that, oh, my life isn't just about me, then again, you're put, you're setting yourself up to be vulnerable. You're setting yourself up to, to actually be known by other people and to be in other people's lives and for people to get to know you. And I know like for me, the, the biggest thing I had to realize is, okay, and this kind of ties into the false self thing too, where like having a mentor in my life, like it, it's so idealized to have a mentor because it's like, of course you want someone like pouring into you and encouraging you and walking with you. But what about when this mentor actually really gets to know your problem areas and really gets to know the sin that you struggle with and is actually keeping you accountable and calling you out like, hey, you need to stop doing that. Like, that's not. And so I think that the pain of maturing is allowing yourself to be open to being corrected, to being refined, to being grown and inviting other people into that process. That's really that's painful. That's scary. That's terrifying to let other people know hey, I'm not perfect, I don't have it all together, and I need your help. And so I think like with maturity, the best thing you can do for yourself is to invite people into that process of becoming a more mature Christian. But it's gonna hurt, because once you start realizing the things that you're struggling with, it it's like it's like salt in a wound. You already have this wound, yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. kinda like covering it up, like, oh no, it's fine, it's fine, and then someone comes along, they're like, hey, we need to deal with this, and it's like, ouch, like, I don't wanna touch that, that hurts, you know? I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, but. it, it kinda does, or actually, I liked what you were saying so much yeah. that I forgot the question. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let me ask you this. Okay. we So we understand, like, on the other side of healing, mm-hmm. good stuff happens. On the other side of the uh, the false self, like, being authentic is good. It gives reward. Yeah. Why mature? Like, if it feels good to stay selfish, yeah. if it feels good to just make life all about you, what's on the other side that's better? I think the biggest thing is, and you even said it, you said it this way, you're like, if you make life about all about you, then you end up with just you. Yeah. And so I think like, again, all of these, to me, all of these different pains that the Lord allows us to walk through, they all wrap around and the reward is relationship. At the end of all of them, the reward is a deeper relationship with God, a deeper relationship with yourself, and ultimately a deeper relationship with people. And so I think when it comes to maturity, you really, if you want to be, I'll say this. If if people matter to you, then you're going to want to be mature. That's yeah. the answer. Like if you actually care about people in your life, you care about your family, you care about your coworkers, you care about the people you do ministry with, like people matter to you. The only way that you can sustain that in your life, that people matter, is you growing in your maturity. 
But if you decide that the reward of relationship with people is not that important, then maturity doesn't, like why maturity? Then yeah, I would be asking yeah. that question too. I'd be like, why do I need to grow maturity? I'm fine the way I am. If you're fine the way you are, then you're fine with the way your relationships are too. Because yeah. the only way your relationships are gonna grow, the only way you're gonna love people more is if you become more mature. So people have to be the reward. It has to be a relational mindset for yourself that that's why you're gonna become more mature because you love people. I like that. All right, let me ask you this. So at the end of my message, I said, hey, being being healed, being authentic, and being mature is good in itself in its own yeah. right. But I said that there's a there's a bigger story out there. Like God is making people this way, yeah, so that a hurting, broken world can get a glimpse yeah. of heaven. Yeah, like this is what this is what it looks like. Now, obviously, we're not perfect, and and we're not a perfect glimpse of heaven, but we're a foretaste. And I said, oh, I also said, God needs to take people through this type of refining, so that we can love each other and and bear the weight of it. Yeah. What is, I know what I thought I meant. What does it mean to bear the weight of love? Like, why do you have to go through these types of refining so that you can love people? Like, why can't, why? Okay, go ahead, yeah. No, 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 that's good. I love the way you worded that. I had somebody in my life one time tell me that, like, the Lord has to take you through refinement because there's a blessing he wants to give you. But if you don't have the character, you won't be able to carry the blessing that's about to come. Yeah. And when someone said that to me, I was like, whoa, I never connected character and blessing. Like, I just thought, like, blessing was just like, oh, God's going to pour down the blessing, and here we go. But God actually has to grow your character in order to receive, like, more blessing. And I think this is connected totally to this, because if you want to bear the weight of love, love is a gift. Love yeah. is a blessing. But it requires a strong character. It requires yeah. somebody who has a healthy heart, someone who has a healthy mindset, someone who's authentic and healed. And so I think like the way that like, first of all, we have to establish that love is a weight. Like yeah. what you just said, there is a weight that comes to love. But if you have, if you go through all of these three things and you let the Lord refine you, you will end up being the kind of person that can bear under the weight of it. And it is also, it is a burden, but it's a blessing. It, it, they're tied together. Like it, it should never be something we idolize where we're like, oh, I'm just going to have these great relationships and this is you know, going to be so much fun and everything's going to be perfect. Like nobody thinks that. We know that relationships have a cost, but it's the beauty of the reward of them that makes it worth bearing underneath it. But we have to have the character in order that to makes, do that. That makes perfect sense because yeah. when you think about it like, no one would say that raising a child is easy. Right. Yeah. Like you're like, no, like there's a burden that comes, comes with, with raising that. a child. But everyone like would also say like there's there's such a reward. Like like the love that you experience with a child is probably the one of the most unique things right. ever. Right. Same thing like or for more people like, hey, having a good solid just dating relationship, yeah. There's a burden to that. Oh, absolutely. But there's also a really nice a reward. reward. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this though. Um, looking out just at the idea that the church is supposed to be the representation of Jesus mm-hmm. to this world, mm-hmm. why is it so important that, like, like that the church is full of people who are going through refinement and being refined mm. for the sake of the world? Mm. Like, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I always think, I think I talked about, I might have mentioned this verse last week, but my one of my favorite verses is in Hebrews. And I want to say it's Hebrews chapter 12, but it talks about where Jesus, he, Hebrews is writing, Jesus went to the cross because he saw the joy set before him. 
That's like okay. one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. And you just talked about, okay, the church is a representation of Jesus. Why do we have to do this? Because Jesus did it. Obviously, that's like yeah. the easiest answer. But really, truly, Jesus knew that the suffering that he had to endure was worth it because of the joy that was coming before him. And so I think as Christians, why this matters, why we have to bear under this weight of love, why we have to go through all of these refining processes is because we have to as well realize that the joy of what's ahead, people coming yeah. to know Jesus, families being restored, us being able to be the practical hands and feet and literally going into our broken communities and helping people see that they have a purpose and there's hope and there's a reason why they're why they're here and we can help them that is joy but we have to set that as our like focal point like the joy set before me is worth all of this pain the healing pain the authenticity pain the maturing pain it's all worth it because of the things that people are going to be able to do the things that people are going to be able to become i know that if i step into my leadership role you know as, as here i have a couple interns and i know that that's not easy taking on you know interns there's difficulty yeah. with that because it's like okay now i'm i have, I have these two other people i got to focus on i got to invest in them pour into them but i know that the joy set before me of who is like what's possible for them I always think about that. I'm like, okay, one day I'm going to look back at this and I'm going to see how successful they are and how great they are and how much God is doing in their life. And I'm going to be able to look back and say, man, I had a little piece in that. Yeah. Like I got to play a little part in that. Like I look at their journey and I'm thinking 20 years down the road already and how I'm going to be celebrating them at their wedding and you know, yeah. like just different things like that because it's like, I got to invest. Like you don't get the outcome of that. You know, you, you always look at like the dad who's like crying at a wedding and he's like watching his daughter being handed off to, you know, this man. But the reason part of why he's crying is because he's like, man, I, I watched her her whole life. Like I grew up with yeah. her, I invested in her, I poured into her, and now I'm seeing the fruit of all of that. And so I think if you want that joy, which I think everyone does, everybody wants the joy of the relational equity of knowing I had a piece in that, yeah. but you gotta walk through all of the stuff before that to get the reward. So I think like Jesus, again, back to Hebrews, Jesus walked through the suffering because he knew the joy set before him was worth it. And I think that's what we have to do as Christians is set the joy of the reward of relationships before us so we can walk through the trials that we're enduring. Man, I don't have anything. To say. That was <laughs> awesome. That's the best place to end it. Before we before we stop though, before we we close today. All right, I'm gonna ask you a, a movie question. Oh Anna. no, I'm not gonna know. Okay, okay, okay. I'm ready. <laughs> what is your go-to? Oh, okay. Movie. I can do this. When you're sad and you just want to feel happy again. Oh my gosh, you're gonna laugh at me so hard. Are you sure you're ready for this? Yeah, go for it. Okay, wait, when I'm when I'm sad and I want to be happy. You're like, you know what, I need something to take me, or, like, or just, it's like, maybe, maybe it's not even sad, you're just average day, but you're like, I'm going to put this movie on, I'm going to feel oh good, I'm going to feel better. Okay, so one of them, for sure, is freaking, it's Chicken Little. The cartoon? <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, do you identify with the chicken in the story? I kind of do because he has this entire like the whole first half of the movie is him just screwing up. Yeah, like he just yeah. keeps the sky is falling. No, it's not. Like yeah. what's going on? Now you lost your pants, and now you're yeah. like jumping around trying to fix everything. Yeah. And then it's not until the end of the movie that everyone's like, "Oh, you were right." And so it's like okay. there has to there's a turnaround in that. I feel yeah. very connected to Chicken Little. Okay, okay, because okay. it shows you can mess up and then be able to be okay at the end. <laughs> there's some deep psychological <laughs> yeah stuff going on with that. But okay, okay, okay. It All gives right. me hope. So Chicken Little. Chicken Little. Is All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for sticking around <laughs> to the end of this. Like we always say, subscribe, leave a review. Comment. All that good stuff. All right. We'll catch you guys next week. Take See it ya. easy. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, and download the Momentum app from your app store. See you next week.